the motivational cowboy with this week's Outstanding Life podcast. And this one is titled Strengthening Lives with Love. And in the studio with me right now is the producer of the Outstanding Life podcast, Paul Long. Paul, how are you? I'm doing wonderful, Johnny. Awesome. And then Joshua Spears, he is in the house right now. What's up, Joshua? How you doing, Johnny? Good to be here. Man, I am so so looking forward to uh, this podcast. Joshua, you are the reason why uh, this podcast all came together, and I want to thank you for that. Um, we are going to dial in right now um, on the phone in Baltimore. We are going to be talking to Bill York. And uh, Bill, you there? I am, Johnny. What's, Good to see you guys this morning. Yeah, man. What a, what a, a blessing it is, and I appreciate you coming on the uh, podcast. One, Bill, your story is um, is very emotional, but it's one of those stories that uh, that needs to be talked about. And I never ever met a uh, a man that um, is such an open book when it comes to this. And uh, Bill, we're going to jump right into this. And I titled this podcast uh, "Strengthening Lives with Love" because that is your mission, your purpose. And I want you to tell everybody, um, just start your story, man. Well, Johnny, uh, yeah, my, my story starts off, um, I guess, really last July, July 28th of 2018. My uh, 20-year-old son uh, took his life, uh, his own life, through suicide. And, and uh, you know, obviously that impacts everybody in the family, but... Our family, my wife and I decided we weren't going to sit back and, and just grieve. We were going to you know, do something, change the world, keep other folks from having to join this club. So we founded the Joshua York Legacy Foundation uh, for Strengthening Lives with Love. We are out there trying to raise awareness, raise the conversation, and prevent further suicides in any way we can. Every day, Bill, and that and that is something that is so cool with you, and 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 I say cool because, and I say this with like smiling because, since I've met you and been talking to you on the phone, I I've asked you some really tough questions, and I said, hey, I'm sorry if I offend you, and you've always said to me, Johnny, stop, no, this needs to be talked about. You're not going to offend me. I want people to understand it's okay to talk about these things. Um, I want you to talk about Joshua. What was um, Josh like? Ooh, Josh was, uh, he was driven. He was part of the LGBT community. Uh, he had his sophomore year at James Madison University in Virginia and then transferred to University of Maryland. He was on the dean's list his last semester. At age 19, after his first year of college, he uh, studied for two weeks, passed the uh, real estate exam and became a real estate agent. And had just sold his uh, first house three weeks before uh, before his passing. Uh, he had a personality that took care of everybody else. Unfortunately, you know he uh, wasn't able to get the mental health care that he needed for himself. But he was the uh, the life of a party. He had these deep blue eyes that just drew everybody in, and that just started every conversation. And it's I am looking at a picture of Josh right now. He was a um, and and it is a a good looking kid. What was yeah. in, in in high school? Um, you said that um, that your son was gay, 
And um, did he come? Yep. Out, did he come out in high school? He actually, uh, no, he didn't. He, he, you know, we we knew he stopped bringing his friends around the house. No matter how many times we tried to set up, you know, a pool party or a cookout, you know, he just didn't bring his friends over. And so we knew, you know, uh, my ex-wife uh, uh, is is gay, and and you know, we have plenty of gay friends. You know, you you know what to, the, to look for when you when you have. Uh, an extended family that includes uh, people in the LGBT community. And so we knew um, we were just waiting for him to talk to us. And you know, my wife had dropped many, many opportunities for him to have that open conversation, but he never felt comfortable uh, to do that. He actually, um, in his senior year, was was sexually assaulted while he was trying to find someone in his community to uh, relate to. And, you know, of course, that certainly made it clear, but he never truly came out until uh, he was going away to college. And, you know, that's kind of a funny story, Johnny, because, you know, we already knew. Josh, uh, um, one one of the big things that and the reason why Joshua is sitting here right now is you and Joshua came together because, I mean, obviously Joshua does a lot of speaking at schools and stuff. And uh, one thing that your foundation does is you want to educate people about suicide, correct? Correct. So you're, you're fine. Every way we can. Yeah. 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 I have to tell you, Johnny, uh, you know, within the first week of uh, the passing after we buried our son, this is how uh, Josh and I met. And, and I'm so thankful that I've met him because he's been such an inspiration for me. You know, we were trying to figure out what to do. And I, I saw part of his podcast on, um, or his presentation on Facebook, and it was about midnight. My wife and I were sitting out on the front porch, you know, having a beer late at night, and I saw it, and I was like, I, I looked at my wife, I'm like, you gotta watch this. I've got to reach out to this guy. So I texted him. This is at midnight, right? <laughs> and he immediately came back to us, and and we talked and texted for a you know 15 minutes or so, and it might have been longer, but then he he said, call me in the morning, and that was a a pivotal moment for us because I ended up spending. I know it was at least an hour and a half, but probably longer with, with Josh and talking about what he does, why he does it, you know, tell, help, you know, explaining what we were going through. Uh, and at that point, I, I just wanted to talk to people. And so he gave me the encouragement and, and the strength to, you know, really start diving in head first, realizing that this can be done. Right. And the more says we get, the better the message. You know, you um you were telling me a story um about your son being an entrepreneur and um tell me the story about him selling pencils and gum and gobstoppers out of his locker. And how old yeah, was he? He was uh in 8th grade and you know, he uh would take his money that he had and go buy, you know, 20 30 dollars worth of candy hide in his locker <laughs> and just you know, he was the bubblegum man at school. And you know, I kept telling him, you know, you're going to get suspended for for selling gum. You know, what are you doing? He's like, Dad, I'm making money. They pay me like $2 for a stick of gum. You know, I mean, that's how he thought. <laughs> he, he was all about being having his own business. Yeah, yeah. Joshua, <laughs> you know, how tough is it for you when, when people reach out to you? I mean, you've done a lot of mm-hmm. presentations and stuff like that on suicide um, because you've been through your own – struggles yeah and yeah. Um, tell 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 us what what it was like when when you got this crazy guy bill york from baltimore texting you at uh you know midnight yeah 
Well, it's it's good to hear that that it was encouraging for you, Bill, because it was also encouraging for myself as well. Because, you know, as a speaker, you know, we do what we do because we want to help people and we want to, you know, touch people's lives and we want to help people that are in rough spots, you know, whether it's suicide prevention or bullying or motivational speeches. And so when I get somebody reaching out to me, it makes me feel validated in my mission that I'm that I'm helping other people. And sometimes that's doing a talk for them. And sometimes it's just talking to them and encouraging them on their own journey. So it, it was really exciting for me to see the impact of that. And, you know, th- th- when people reach out, I just always try to make myself available because that's what that's the the gas in my motor you know is, is try to help people sometimes it's from the stage and sometimes it's sitting on my deck on the phone you know so it's really all about that mission I remember uh, the phone call the next day yeah. Joshua you called me and you're like man this is this, this is like so cool and yeah. because you're right I mean yeah. it doesn't matter when, when when people reach out and they want to use us yeah I mean at the end of the day this is why we do what we do right. Is because we want to be used. Well, also you know? too, you know, Bill, y- your story, you know, it, it's it's inspiring for for me, and and I know in some cases with what Johnny does too is to remember that there are hurting people out there, and our mission is to help those people. And sometimes, you know, it do- it stops it from becoming a job when you realize that people are involved and that you you can really make an impact. So, I'm thrilled that it was encouraging for you and you and the way you've grown your organization and the way you've responded since then. It continues to be a very big source of inspiration for myself and others. Bill, Bill, how many days after your son um, took his life did you start the foundation? Like, how did that? I mean, were you grieving and you said, "No, listen, I'm not going to take this," and, and and you took the bull by the horns? How long did it did it take you to do that? So, the. Sunday after we, the day after we buried our son, my wife and I again were sitting on the porch, and and she says, you know, were you I, having I a beer? Do... Not that day. <laughs> <laughs> it was too early. <laughs> I'm sure later we did, <laughs> but you know, we were sitting there on the porch, and she says, you know, I want to do something. You know, this I I can't stand it, and I'm like, you know, I feel like screaming from the mountaintops, and. She said, I said, what do you want to do? She says, I want to do a scholarship at a school. And then I said, "Uh, you know, do you want it like a one-time scholarship or an annual scholarship? She was, I want it every year. And I said, well, do you want it, you know, as long as we're alive or do you want it to be perpetual? And and she gave me this funny look and says, I want it to be perpetual. What what does that matter? And I said, well, you know, we can fund it ourselves every year and, you know, we, we can afford to do that. But if you want it to be perpetual, we have to raise funds. And if we got to raise funds, we have to create a, a nonprofit foundation. So that's where it, the idea started. And then a friend of mine who owns a, uh, two friends, actually one relative and a very close friend, reached out to me and said, hey, we're, we're uh, doing a suicide prevention con- uh, concert in September. You know, I'd like to talk about Josh. And I was like, yeah. And he's and I was like, you know, can I show up and try to raise some funds and He's, he, you know, I explained to him the path we were starting, and he says, "Well, I'm playing at this local bar, Riverwatch, uh, in two weeks." That was our first fundraiser. hadn't even set up the foundation yet, and we raised uh, about eighteen hundred dollars that night. Wow, nice! Which, yeah, just blew. I mean, they they told me, yeah, don't expect more than three hundred. <laughs> yeah, most we've ever raised is eight hundred, and it was at a expensive yacht club, and and here we just blew it all out of the water. And at the same time, my sister wanted to to set up a GoFund or you know, a donation page and was going to have the funds going to AFSP. And I'm like, Bert, don't do it. Let's let's get a GoFundMe up. I put a GoFundMe up. That's that same week, 
for $5,000 as a goal because I knew it would fund our scholarship for years to start out with. And in 30 days, we raised a total of $8,000. Wow, that's awesome. So on the 27th of August, uh, literally 30 days later is when we uh, filed officially the foundation. And 67, 64, 67 days later, you know, we, we got our IRS determination letter, which is, you know, in the nonprofit industry is really amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Bill, so obviously the the situation that you and your family found yourself in with your son, obviously it's very painful and, and each person is going to react to that a different way in your, in your spot. Tell us a little bit about how your action and your starting this and your drive, what impact has that had on your grieving process with your son? Yeah, I won't lie to you. You know, every day's a, a journey. Um, you know, some days it's a tidal wave and I, and I get taken out to sea. But, you know, this is my literally my motivation every day. Before, you know, in the morning, the first thing I do is check our suicide prevention rocks group and see if there's anybody who's joined while I was sleeping. And before I go to bed, because I want to make sure people know that I'm looking at this all day long, it's the last thing I check. Um, if anybody calls me and and uh, needs help, I'm, I'm there. I've, I've sat on the phone four to five a.m. in the morning with people in the UK, wow. um, texting back and forth to keep them from you know take making the wrong move. I've you know called people up just because they've reached out. You know, I uh, uh, this is my mission. This is my mission in life. You know, I was I'm retired military, and, and we always have a mission in the military. And when you know, like anybody, when you retire, you, you're looking for something, some meaning in life, mm-hmm. and unfortunately. Uh, I lost my son to find my meaning in life, but I don't want anybody else to lose theirs. Bill, you, you said it perfect to me um, about a week ago. You said, Johnny, um, this is not a club that I want anybody else to belong to. Yeah, yeah, it's a terrible club, terrible club. Uh, there's more people in it than most people realize because we don't talk about suicide openly. Uh, and my mission is is really just to keep people out of the club, right? Uh, so, yeah. so what is what is the uh, Facebook page? So the Facebook page is the Joshua York Legacy Foundation. Uh, we also have a, a subgroup, Suicide Prevention Rocks, kind of on the line of the Kindness Rock movement. We used uh, rocks to help our children talk about the loss of their brother. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about that because that, that was my next question. I'm glad you led right into that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, our children were shutting down. We have five kids, including Josh, one, his older sister and two younger sisters and a, a younger brother ages six to 23. And, and our younger ones were shutting down. You know, we, we couldn't get them to talk about anything. So my wife was looking at a whole bunch of different things on how to get them to talk and so we we did a couple little ceremonies dropping rocks in a uh, half full glass of water and telling a story about him but about a year prior we had painted kindness rocks in ocean city maryland and we decided hey let's let's do suicide prevention rocks and after we painted them and it was it was healing we we uh my wife says we ought to put that that on the facebook page and and i said i'm going to create a group for that you know it doesn't really relate to our mission but it's cool Mm -hmm. and we'll share what we're doing to heal ourselves with others and the first week that group uh grew by 250 people wow and and today we're over 4400 people in 33 countries on all six populated continents 
Uh, and all across the U.S., we have, I think it's about 3,600 across the U.S. in, in most states. Uh, and it's it it's a motivator. It, you know, it, I know we're reaching people. And that's how I connected with the gentleman in, in the U.K. You know, I've, connect, I've had conversations with folks in Australia, you know, because they're, they're, this is this is not a U.S. problem. It's not a Maryland problem. It's not a Bill York problem. This is really a societal problem all around the world. You know, I, I can't, I personally can't do it fast enough. So this is this is not just for uh, gay men and women. This is just for everybody, correct? That's correct. I mean, our, our mission, we say uh, we're there for all at-risk groups. So my son was in the LGBT community. He was a student and I'm a veteran. So, you know, and I have a lot of veteran friends. We lose a lot of veterans every day. Thank you for serving our country, Bill. Thank you. You know, we, you know, veterans, we lose 26 a day in the VA system, approximately 13 a day that are not in the VA system. LGBT students are three times more likely than straight students to take their lives. And they're they're the second highest group because of their age. And, and what they're going through developing as a human. You know, so we, we, we got to reach everybody. And as a matter of fact, I had a uh, Native American uh, reservation reach out to me uh, about two weeks ago. You know, I'm not going to turn them away. Suicide in the Native American population is just as prevalent and just as harming and damaging to people as it is in our own communities. So if I can, if I can do anything to help anybody, I'm going to find a way to do it. Bill, you're amazing. And I, I, again, thank you for serving our country, but I mean, just as a man, I I don't know if I would have had the strength to lose a child and, and do all this. And for all that, I thank you. And, I, and I'm sure every listener right now is listening to you right now, thanking you for for what you and your family are doing to to stop this and save just one life. So thank you. Thank you, Johnny. You know, I could be like anybody else. I could go into deep depression uh, and and live there. I could be angry that my son took his life, you know, I, I'm not, I, I, I've turned my anger into anger at suicide, into passion to make a change in other people's lives and, and strengthen their lives with love. That's, that's, that's what I live my life for. And you're educating people as well. I mean, I'm a, a, a straight white man and I've learned more about, you know, uh, the gay community in the last three weeks than, than I ever, ever, ever knew it even existed. So, I mean, for for that, I thank you. It's like, I feel, you know, just like you, you get pumped up. I I learned something different. I learned something about something that I didn't know nothing about. So thank you. You're welcome. You're very welcome. You know, talk about the LGBT community, that, that age group, 13 to 24, you know, that's, that's the high risk. And, you know, if you're listening out there and you have a child that you think may be in that community. Try to have the conversation because what I've seen over and over and over in talking to folks is a lot of uh, children get pushed out of their home when they they open up to their family. And and it just it kills me because I I sit there and say, you know, you've 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 given birth to this child. You've raised the child to be the best person you can try to make them. You've invested years in their lives to to make them successful and happy and their happiness if uh, if it's in the LGBT community, how can you turn them out? Bill, how because do you do it though? How do you do it? If 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 there's a um, a mom or a dad listening right now, or maybe a friend, how do you bring it up? Well, you know, first 
you know, whoever they're close to, you, you, you drop hints, you know, hey, you know, if you have friends, you bring the friends around so that the, the adult friends who are in that community can get them to open up. In my case, when my son finally uh, sat down and felt he needed to tell us, it was at dinner. We finished dinner and he was like, Mom, Dad, I got something to tell you. And he started telling and my wife jumped up, gave him a hug, crying, and said, you know, Josh, we've known, you know, we, we've been waiting for you to talk to us. You know, we are always here for you. We love you. And, you know, when they finished talking, he looked at me kind of, kind of afraid. I said, Josh, I got one thing to say. And, you know, I could see the, the fear in his eyes, the fear of rejection. I said, you know, Josh, you're my son. I love you for who you are. You know, I want you to be happy, you know, and I will do anything for that. The only thing I ask of you is that when you find the person who fulfills your life, when that when you find them, introduce them to me, because without that, my life will never be fulfilled. Yeah. And a, a few weeks later, he brought him around and, and <laughs> you know, he's another son and his name's Josh. I mean, it's, I got so many Josh's in my face. <laughs> got to start, I number them. It's like JJ, huh? Yeah. yeah. I got J1, my son, J2, his, his partner. You know, his, <laughs> One thing for, for Johnny's <laughs> listeners, you know, Johnny has listeners all over, all over the world too, with massive numbers of people. And a lot of times an issue like suicide is something that we don't think about until we're directly impacted by it. But just a few numbers. If you look at the World Health Organization, Bill talked about it's not just a U.S. problem. It's estimated a million per year. And then if you look at some of the— Wait a second. Did you say a million? A million people, according to the World Health Organization. And in the last 45 years, it's gone up 60%. I don't rehearse, rehash all those for your benefit, Bill, but sometimes the listeners, may, may just so they can understand how big of an issue it is. And if you look at from the United States perspective— 47,173 in 2017. That's 129 per day. It's the second leading cause of death in the age range that Bill mentioned of 15 to 24-year-olds. And what's really those – are, those numbers are absolutely ridiculous. And that's why, that's why, Bill, you're doing what you're doing, and that's why I do what I'm doing. But another number that I found just as shocking – is it's estimated that 1.3 million people attempt suicide. So wow. that tells us, Johnny, that there is a hurting world out there. There is a world of people. And, and I love your transparency, Bill, because the community that you're talking about, there are so many young people who are really struggling. And someone hearing your story and hearing how your son you know, finally came out and you encouraging them to come out and to, to be open and loving about that, that, that could really make, make a huge difference for, for a lot of those people. And th- these, these numbers are way too high. And as you hear those numbers, and I'm sure you know a lot of those numbers doing the work that you do, what, what other things do you envision the Joshua York, York Legacy Foundation, excuse me, um, what other things do you have in, in in the hopper for your organization to educate and to train and and to reach out? I know you're going to do the scholarship, but are there other things that you guys have like in, in your in your plans to help to help go after these hurting people? Uh, Josh, I, I tell you, I'm glad you asked that question because uh, wow, it's, it's this is a uh, <clears throat> this is a, a fire truck ride. I mean, literally every day uh, something pops up, and and it's not me creating any of this. These, I'm on a path, and it's a path that a, that a greater spirit has given me, and I follow it every day. You know, if if 
if something pops up, I chase it. So we are partnering with uh, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to uh, get ourselves completely trained in everything that they provide for free and training and then pass that out to everybody everywhere we can. So I'm hoping to have some time at the end of 2019 or early in 2020, I want to have a national conference held in Baltimore or somewhere else in the country. And I want to bring together people for training and I want to talk to professionals. What are you seeing? You know, how are you approaching it? Because what we see in America is thousands of people impacted by suicide. And many people like me do start uh, some kind of nonprofit to do something in their community. Mm-hmm. But we have thousands of groups like that, and they're not working together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, AFSP does wonderful work for for its research and education and training and, and materials to help uh, people understand and start talking. Just for, so, the, you know, we, for the listeners, mm-hmm. what is the AFSP? Just I know what it is, but just let, so yeah. let them know. So it's American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, AFSP.org. Um, they they tr- they put out a lot of statistics. You can go out there and find out you know, where your state falls in the country because Maryland, we're 47th out of 50. So, you know, that that's on the better end. We don't our suicide rate is lower than most of the country. Mm-hmm. Bill- you know, one every about 15 hours. So, you, you, you know, I think, you know, I'm, a, I'm an accountant, too. So, you know, I think one every 15 hours in Maryland, if the average is about one every 12 minutes. Oh my God! What's happening in Alaska, Washington, Montana? Mm-hmm. You know that the, the numbers there have to be astronomical. Mm-hmm. And you know they say their studies show that at least on average 100 people are affected by every suicide. You mentioned a number: 1.3 million attempts a year. Multiply that number by 100, mm-hmm. because 1.3 million means 13 million people are affected by someone who has, has attempted suicide. Right. That's horrific. Right. And that's only in the U.S. We're also partnering, uh, Josh, with um, another organization. We're working really hard to bring peer-to-peer uh, groups to high schools and colleges. This group is nationwide. They're, you know, they've worked hard to get into about 600 high schools and colleges. I don't want to give their name yet because we haven't locked it up. Uh, can't wait to, to come public with it. Uh, but we're going to do everything we can just to help them spread your organization if they allow us to partner with them. And I, I, I really think it's going to be wonderful. Bill, with technology the way that it is today, not everybody likes to pick up the phone and 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 call. Um, obviously, if somebody is having a hard time, you know, trying to find someone to talk to or just even talking alone, can somebody text or email a a um you know a facility and have somebody text or call or you know email back yes uh, you know you have some major you you have the major uh, hotlines out there the you know national suicide prevention lifeline veterans crisis line the trevor project i don't know if you ever heard of that that's for the lgbt community they're headquartered in dc all doing great work all have phone numbers they also have text lines and they have hearing impaired lines those resources are on our website uh, which is www.joshuayorkfoundation.org. Um, so, and there, are, you know, if you hit any of these websites, you'll find these numbers. You'll find the ability to text. We're also trying. You know, we have three pillars: education, outreach, and trying in every way possible to improve mental health accessibility. There are companies out there. There's two of them who are the major players right now, who do uh, text 
and email uh, counseling uh, across the country with trained professionals. That's the key, trained professionals, because you know they need to know this uh, how to help these people get out of that dark space. And we're we're trying to work with them. You know, we we need a lot of money to make it feasible to pay for people's. You know, it's the cheapest we can get into that market is about twenty thousand dollars. If we can get two to three hundred thousand followers on our Instagram and our Twitter accounts, they'll discount it even greater. They'll partner with us. So that's one of our goals. You know, grow Twitter, grow grow Instagram, get students coming to our sites. And, and joining so that we can show our growth so that these companies will listen and partner with us. How can people find you on Twitter and Instagram and all these things? Uh, you know, pound JYLF uh, and pound JYLF rocks, um, you know, is, is probably the easiest way to look for us. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the unfortunate part with, <laughs> with Twitter and uh, Instagram uh, you know, they're new to me. I'm 52, Johnny, and, and this technology <laughs> blows me away. <laughs> so, you know, we, we we are not able to have the exact uh, name across the spectrum. Um, it's close, but uh, you know it's like uh, JYLF two, I think on uh, Twitter and you know, so. But if you if you keep looking for that JYLF, you'll find a search me Bill York because I'm linked to all of them, uh, and I'm more than happy to to talk as, as much as possible. Every single person in my family works this every day. And Bill, they can also find everything right through your website, correct? <laughs> correct. Awesome. Yes. You know, Bill, I just—it's so inspiring to see what you've done with the the organization, and and we're gonna, you know, continue to talk about that. But I just had a question pop up, and and forgive me for not asking you before, because it might be kind of a tough question. But mm-hmm. are you okay with that? It's a oh, absolutely. Hey, yeah, Bill, so. Bill, Bill always says he goes, Johnny, stop with that. He goes, I'm an open book. You you can't offend me. You can't. You just ask me. Yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> so, yeah. When, when, so when you said that, Joshua, yeah. I was like, it reminded me of what Bill just told me three days ago. Yeah. And, and, and I, before you ask your question, Josh, I just want to make the listeners understand why I am that way. I cannot advocate open conversations, even the tough ones. If I'm not doing it myself, I'm I'm a military officer retired. I lead by example the best I can and everything I do. And unfortunately, you know, I have to lead by example here. Amen. As tough as it can be, I have to lead by example because we have to start a greater dialogue in our society where we're going to continue to see these numbers go up. We're going to continue to lose those that we love, Mm -hmm. you know. I don't. You, you didn't mention it, uh, Josh, but you know, I lost my son in July. My ex-wife took her her life last week. She was grieving so deeply that she took her life. I just buried her with our families. You know, I, I it pains me, and it angers me. It's suicide. I am doing. I'm going to beat this beast. If it if it's the last thing I do, and I, and the beast better know my family. Age as well. We're up in the nineties, so I got forty more years to fight this. That's awesome. Well, the 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 question I had, and and I I love to hear. You know, I'm sure you probably want to talk maybe more about your wife. But the question I had, I, I kind of like in my mind, I try to always imagine a person listening to a podcast, and I picture some mother who's in her who late forties, early fifties, driving along in her car, listening to us, and. And this is where it gets tough is after your son, you know, what happened with him, 
Are there things now that you look back after you've educated yourself and started this organization and you've done all these different things and you were so much more knowledgeable about suicide prevention? Are there things now where you could look back and see maybe there were some signs that maybe you you weren't aware of because you were, you know, being you didn't it wasn't something on your radar. Was there anything like that that maybe uh, you could share with the listeners that they could just keep their eyes open for? Yeah, Josh, I'll tell you this. This is the – and me and you have had this conversation, all three of us really, separately. But this is the tough part for me because, as I said, my son was trying to connect uh, in the LGBT community and find people that were like him and that would love him for who he is and would be safe for him. And unfortunately, you know, I hate these dating apps. He used a dating app. He took a risk to meet someone. And he was sexually assaulted his, his first time trying to do this. And that is really what, in my mind, took my son's life. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we did all everything right. We, we caught up with him. We, we went to the hospital. We had the rape kit done. We had the police there. He was going into his senior year and did not want to have to go through a prosecution process in his senior year, he just wanted to live. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't prosecute and he didn't want to go to counseling because he, he wanted to put it behind him. And we kept trying to encourage him. Eventually when he got to college, he started becoming suicidal, being away from home for the first time, not getting past the assault. He finally, we finally got him into counseling, but do you know how hard it is for a college student as a freshman with no car on campus to find quality mental health uh, care, mm-hmm. it's, it's impossible. He took an Uber 22 minutes each way, plus did a full-time, full-time college just to get mental health. It lasted the first semester. Second semester, he was trying to move past it again. And the day he took his life, something, some trigger happened. Some some word was said, some, something created, you know, brought the memory up. He talked to his partner about it on the way home. And when they got home, his partner went out to, to let the dogs out, and he went in and took his life. So in his case, it was triggers he was dealing with. In my, my ex-wife's case, there were so many signs, you know, saying goodbye to people individually without any, you know, in a way that people didn't connect that she was saying goodbye. Um, you know, t- her talking about wanting to, to be with him, that she wanted answers that she couldn't get because he wasn't here. Uh, you know, being on a vacation in Puerto Rico and, and saying, you know, I don't want to be here. Everybody who she was talking to thought she meant in Puerto Rico. Mm. She was talking about on the earth mm. in, in life. And so, you know, if you know someone's at risk, it's better to just broach the subject and say, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. I have to tell you one more story because it, this it, it, it just popped into my head. The day I rushed my daughter and I to the hospital after we heard her mother had, had attempted suicide. And when we got there, she had already passed. And, you know, I was breaking down. I needed to get away from my daughter so I didn't upset her. I went outside the hospital and, and called my wife. And I, I lit a cigarette because I needed to de-stress. And a young man came up behind me and, and said, hey, man, you, you got a cigarette? 
And I said, yeah, here you go. And I'm still talking to my wife. He stepped that 10 feet away from me. And he, you know, he was obviously listening to my conversation. And he, and he says to me, or to no one really, man, this is getting real. So when I got off the phone with my wife, I, I went over to him. I said, yeah, buddy, I really hope whoever you're here for is, is going to survive and do and, and be okay. And he said, man, I'm not here for anybody else. I'm here for myself. And, and I, I said, are you, are you, are you thinking about hurting yourself? And he's, and he just said, yeah, man, that's what, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about going in and checking myself in. I gave him a hug, wow. backed up, grabbed him by the shoulders and said, do not take your own life. Do not hurt. I lost my son five months ago. His mother just took his life. That's why I'm here. You're here for a reason. You may not know exactly what it is, and there are plenty of people who love you. I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. If I had my business card on me, I'd give it to you because it has my phone number on it. And he, and he looked at me and said, well, you do that? And I said, yeah. He said, well, I can type it in my phone. <laughs> so I gave, I gave him my number, and I said, listen, if, if, if they get you in and you need a visitor, call me. I'll come. Mm -hmm. you, and he said, you do that? I, would ne I never had a visitor when I've been checked in. I said, I'll be there. And I walked him in and got him registered. And I checked on him two more times to make sure he stayed. You were, and he called. You were like his angel. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. You know, it, the, the Bill, the thing is about the, the, both of those stories and about that young, that person that you were, you were inter interacted with that's so amazing is, and it's something that I always try to do when I'm speaking is to help people realize that one of the biggest issues when it comes to suicide is the lie and the deception that a nobody else is going through this and b that nobody cares and that's that yeah. those are the biggest the biggest traps because we we think that we're we're the only one that screwed up and we think that everybody else has got it together that's a big misconception and then also that nobody cares and and that's one of the things that is just so heartbreaking about these stories is you have all these amazing people who buy into this deception that, that causes them to do, you know, have a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem, basically. And, and, and that's, that's the thing that I think is, you know, the most heartbreaking is that it's, it's based on a deception mm -hmm. and cause it's not true. Like the, the guy that you talked to, he was standing outside smoking a cigarette and he met somebody that changed his life forever because you, you made him believe that he was, he was worth it. Now he had no idea, I'm sure what you were going through, but just in all of these situations in the 47,000 plus Americans every year that do it, I know there's a lot of mental health. There's a lot of that that goes into it. Yes. But suicide is never the right answer. Right. No matter what you're yeah, going it, through, it, that's never right, the right it, answer. It, it, and it's always, you know, it's always that personal moment, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and Josh, I, I can tell you, I think, you know, for me, it's screaming from the mountaintop. It's raising the, the dialogue. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I used to, when I was in the Air Force, I was a, a criminal investigator. And when I, and this was 90, early 90s, uh, uh, the statistics for sexual assault on women at that point was three out of five women up before the age of 18 would have some kind, some level of sexual assault, you know. From an, uh, uh, a terrible rape to you know someone you know touching them inappropriately, you know those numbers are coming down. Why? Because people talk about mm -hmm. it, and it's okay. We have the Me Too movement. People are coming out and saying this is not right. right. That's what I think needs to happen. But I would ask you this: You've been doing this for what, 10, 15 years yeah. now? Yeah. 
I'll take any any recommendation you got on how we can make it better because you've got more experience. Well, I think the, the, the biggest thing is, like you said, is talking about it. I think if somebody sees somebody on the stage or they see you, a guy who's got it all together, you know, from the outside looking in, and they hear someone who's got a lot of things figured out saying, you know what? I do have a lot of great things in my life, but there was a season of my life where I was just where you are, and I felt just as bad. I felt just as dark. And then when the light came on, I was so excited. I decided that I had to get the word out about that life is a lot more fun than, than we think in those dark moments, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you, you hit the nail on the head is the, the, the part of the deception is the taboo. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want people to, to know what we're going through. And it's, it's quiet. It's discreet. And I understand a lot of that with, with people. But the reality is, is that, as you mentioned with the Me Too movement, when people see, you know what? Other people feel this way. Other people are going through what I'm doing. When they see that, it helps them feel okay with where they're at. They feel normal. Exactly. And, that, and that's the thing that I remember when yeah. I, was, I was about 19, about, I was around your son's age when I had some of my darkest seasons in my life. And I was talking to this girl I went to high school with, and she was the homecoming queen. She, was, she won the, pa- the, the beauty pageant in my hometown. She's a beautiful girl, smart. And I remember talking to her at, at, at college because we went to the same school after high school. And she was telling me about how she struggled so much with depression. And I was in shock because I thought, wait a minute, this is the, the smartest, the cutest, the nicest, the friendliest, the most popular. But that was an aha moment for me that I realized that I'm not the only one that's going through this. And that makes it okay for me to go through it. And I can go through it with confidence and passion. And I can come out the other side because I'm not alone. Right. Amen. Right. Absolutely. And that's removed yeah. the stereotypes yep. right there. Yep. I think you hit the nail on the head because – you know, we have stereotypes. Oh, that this person has something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. No, I, mean, I can tell you. How many celebrities just lately have committed right. suicide? Mm-hmm. I mean, here, here's people that, that literally have it together. They have money. They have fame. They have everything. Mm-hmm. My, my first wife was a licensed clinical social worker in a hospital. She knew every resource that was available to her. She was being treated by a psychiatrist to try to get past the grief. She had tons of friends who are social workers, nurses, doctors. Her partner is one of the top doctors in one of the hospitals in Baltimore. And she still didn't help herself right. because she was more concerned, I think, of you know, how people would view her and wanting to, to have this connection with her, her son who took his life. You know, I can't be angry at her. You know. I didn't love her romantically anymore, but I loved her as a person. Right, She's right, a mother right. of children. You know, I, I grieve for her. I, I don't like her, her decision. I, you know, I, I can't change it, but I can change other people's decisions. Mm-hmm. I can help them see the light, you know, get out of the darkness, see the light and, and understand that we got to get rid of the stigma. We got to talk about it. Hey. And there's a lot of causes, but you know, it's the moment. It's that one split second when you're making that poor, bad, permanent choice that you got to get past. You can't allow yourself that one second. Bill, I want you to, um, I'm going to kind of lighten things up a little bit because I almost cried twice right there in those few stories. But but I want you, because it's so important for, for me and the listeners to understand what your son was like. At the age of six, you guys bought a family boat. And then yes. later on in life, he loved the water so much, you actually gave him... Your boat, correct? 
I sold it to his partner for less than what it was, you know, what I had in it to fix it up. You know, I, I was fixing it, had fixed it up to sell it. And I, you know, they, they, you know, I wanted it to, to him to continue to enjoy it if it couldn't. When his, his partner said, Hey, you know, can I buy it from you? I'm like, Yeah, how much you want for it? And I had it listed for almost $20,000. He said, I can't afford that. I said, I didn't ask you to buy it for that much. If you're going to buy it, you just give me what I got into it, you know? That's that's the beauty of it because you get to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Talk talk about the uh, the day that uh, Josh grabbed some uh, seaweed, and, wh- uh, and and what and what he said to the other Josh. Yeah, so you know they they had been talking about getting married when Josh, my Josh, uh, graduated college, and they spent so much time on the boat and at the beaches uh, around it, up and down the East Coast that one day they were out. Uh, in the water and my son pulled up some seaweed and and you know weaved it into a like a little ring and proposed to him in the water so from and of course he said yes but from that day forward they can they called themselves sea husbands so when they're out on the water they treated each other as any married couple would and enjoyed the the future of of getting married they were they were you know fantasizing about it and you're thinking what it would be like but as soon as they step back on shore they look at each other and 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 treat each other like friends and joke about yeah well i don't gotta listen to you my my sea husband's you know <laughs> left on the boat you know so you know it was and i learned about that after his death oh really you know, I learned, yeah I, I learned so many stories i actually reached out to every single person who was on facebook and then it, because people were coming up to me telling me things about my son that i didn't know because my relationship was father to son, not friend to friend, lover to lover, whatever. You know, I learned so much about my son. I, I learned how many lives he had touched. I had people come up to him and say, you know, if it wasn't for Josh, I wouldn't be sober three years. Wow. You know, if it wasn't for Josh, I'd have hurt myself. If it wasn't for Josh, I wouldn't have stayed in college. Over and over. I still get him once in a while. My hair's standing up on my arm. Yeah, well, mine too. And, <laughs> and, and, and that... That's why we called it the Joshua York Legacy Foundation. We want to, we want to, we, let me tell you something. Nobody ever wants to forget the person who took their life. And if you're out there listening, you're trying to figure out how to connect with people who've lost a child, lost a parent, say their name, say the person who passed the name, because we think about them every single day. And we just want to know that other people are Joshua York Legacy Foundation, you know, this isn't all about Josh. It's our way of taking the good that was in him and spreading it as far and wide as we can. I'm probably going to be speaking for Josh, you and Bill, you as well. And I know Paul, you're listening. Um, If you, first of all, let me say this. If you're listening and you're feeling like this, I want you to know that you matter. I want you to know that you are special. And if you, if you right now are thinking about hurting yourself, call me, reach out to me. Joshua, I, I, I know that, that, that you're there all the time for people, Bill and Paul. I, I want you to know that, you know what, if anybody, if anybody is feeling that way, there's four people on this podcast right now that care about you, that love you for who you are. And I just want you to know that you're special. I, Bill, I just, I just, I, I had, I had to say it, and and I, and I just think it's so important. People don't hear it enough that they are special, that they're wanted, that they're needed, 
and and, I, and I'm letting you know, uh, Joshua, I'm telling you, Bill, I'm telling you, Paul, I'm telling you guys, you guys matter to me. You're special to me. Mm-hmm. And the people that are listening, you are special. Man, you, I just, it, it needs to be said. I mean, and, and, and I appreciate you sharing the these stories about your son and, and, and about what you, what you're after. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, that's true. Everybody needs to hear it. We all, we weren't born onto this earth for nothing. We have something to give. We have, I call it our superpower. Everybody's got a superpower, you know, and until, if you haven't found it, don't stop searching because it's out there. I heard a line the other day that I thought was amazing. It was two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and the day that you find out why. <laughs> right. That's perfect. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, that is good. You know, I also heard something else and Bill, um, this is right from the eulogy of your son. You started the eulogy off by a quote from a childhood friend and she quoted to you one time it said, and she said to you, I am who I am. I won't be this way forever. But for now, I am, and it's okay. Again, the, 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 the quote, again, she told you, I am who I am. I won't be this way forever. But for now, I am, and it's okay. Yes. That, you know, she lost her husband, and, that, and she figured that out through the loss of her husband. And a couple days after I found out my, about my son's loss, she passed that on to me, and it it impacted me so deeply that that's what I use many days just to, to get through the day because it's okay if I'm sad. It's okay if I'm happy. It's okay if I'm uh, helping somebody else. And, and you know, it, no matter what my mood, it's okay because it's only a moment in, in time and it, it, it'll pass. You know, I, 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 uh, I use the analogy and I, I went to a, a motivational speaker who, one time and and I heard this analogy and I use it now about the, the, the Buffalo and, and cows out in Nebraska at the foot of the Rockies. Now a cow runs from the storm. They're in it forever. Buffaloes run towards the storm. They run through the storm. They face their fears and anxieties and it passes quicker. And you know, that's what I try to do. You know, I, if, if I'm having a bad moment, I focus and say, okay, what is it? What can I do to change it? And then I try to change it. You know, Bill, people often ask me, and Joshua, you know this, as being you know motivational speakers, they're like, do you ever have a bad day? And I'm like, absolutely. I have bad days just like everybody else. I go, and I love bad days. And they're like, what the heck is wrong with you? I'm like, I love, and they're like, why would you even say that? I'm like, I love bad days because when I have a bad day, I know there's millions of other people that are feeling the exact same way, and I turn it into a part in my talk. So I learn from my own hurt or my own fears, and I'm able to get on stage and talk about them. I always, Joshua, yeah. I, I joke around all the time. I'm like, we got the best job in the world. We get to tell our problems and, and motivate people by the things that we feel every single day. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to really learn a big lesson without some pain, right? <laughs> right, that's yeah. right. You know, and I always, and, and, and let's let's face it, guys. If we don't have bad days, we never know the the greatness of a good day. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and, and you know, I, too. I always say, you know, they're like, hey, you know, that old cliche. I I want to climb that mountain. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to climb the mountain with as many friends and people I can, because I don't want to be at the top alone. Mm-hmm. I want to take as many people with me 
to the top of that mountain and be able to scream like you are, Bill. Scream and shout and and inspire and motivate like you. And and you are such an inspiration. I know I've said it over and over again, but you are, and I and I, I appreciate you. I want you to share um, um, just another story about your son. I know I kind of put you on the spot, and but yeah. you know, Josh was. I mean, I'm looking at a picture of him right now, and he he had those. He he has blue eyes like like I do, and people say that they pierced right through you, and he so, he had I, those I, like baby blue eyes. Yeah, I'll share a great one with you. You know, his baby blue eyes when when he was born, I could go to any mall, any mall, <laughs> and walk through the mall, and every single woman would stop to Google over him. You know, it, it was, he was like a chick magnet from day one. You know, I was married, but you know, it was just amazing to me that some, you know, his eyes just sucked you in. And one time his mother and my sister-in-law were going to go shopping at, at a local, um, uh, open, they call it the Avenue. Um, and there, there was a new, a new, uh, uh, beer joint that just opened up, you know, a brewing company. And my brother-in-law was into home brewing. He says, Hey Bill, let's, well, they go, let's go to the Red Brick station. And my father, my father-in-law was like, yeah, we'll go there. I'm like, well, I'm carrying Josh. I'm like, what, what are we doing there? Hey, let's just go. We'll get a table. Well, we walked into the bar and I, <laughs> I put him up on the corner of the bar, you know, so at six months old, he was at the bar the first time. And we, the three of us, you know, myself, his father, his uncle, who's his godfather. And, and his grandfather shared a beer in, in, in his honor, you know, at that time. And I'll never forget when his mother walked in. <laughs> she wasn't not happy. I love the fact that, that you love beer because it seems like every time I talk to you in the evening that you and your wife are sitting on the front porch drinking a beer or having a glass of wine. You brought up beer, and I want you to bring this up because you brought something up to me yesterday. And it was kind of funny because I was talking to my daughter and – uh, those of you that have been listening to me now for 25 episodes know that my daughter is a, cl- a clinical psychologist. And I was telling her, um, Bill, about I don't I don't remember if it was the Josh wine or if it was the uh, beer from Michigan that gives a percentage back to helping suicide victims. Yeah, I'm glad you bring it up. Yeah, uh, that is uh, Fulton, F-U-L-T-O-N Brewing Company. The beer is called Spectre. And it is a suicide awareness prevention beer. They lost one of their employees to suicide. And in response to that, that they brewed a special beer in his honor uh, and they renamed it to Spectre. And every every uh, sale, a dollar of it goes to suicide uh, prevention and awareness through AFSP. Uh, and, and I never knew about it. A friend of my uh, wife's is a distributor. We were looking for you know, stuff to uh, put behind a, a fundraising effort. And he brought over this beer and we were floored by it. And it's, it's, it's amazing um, that it's out there. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spectre beer for uh, Fulton Brewing Company. All right. Check it out. Thanks. Just because I, every time I hear you say beer, or I even hear the word beer. Now I think of you. So, I mean, right, don't, it's, it's not a bad thing. Bill, don't let Johnny fool you. He likes them too. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I come up with, with with my best material after you know a couple yeah. glasses of wine or a couple of beers you know, but 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 one thing um, I do want to because literally we are down to like five or six minutes and, and I really want people to know how to get a hold of you. I want you to talk about the foundation. If there's anything that 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 we missed, 
this time is yours. And it's like I told you before we even started the podcast, this hour is about you and about what you're doing. So, Bill, please um, let everybody know how they can, you know, um, find you. So, so Johnny, I appreciate that. And uh, we are again on Facebook at the Joshua York Legacy Foundation, uh, and on the website at uh, www.joshuayorkfoundation.org. There's connections out there for Twitter and uh, Instagram. Um, we are out there trying to make a difference. So, you know, we are, we are early on. We're we're just a, under six months old. We've raised just over $20,000. Man, that's um, awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a wild ride. Um but we're making a difference and you know, we need the communities to make a difference. So, you know, I can tell you if if somebody reaches out to me, um uh, which some folks have, if if I can help them, I'll do everything I can to do it and um you you can PM me uh, through Facebook or send an e uh, email through the website. Uh, we respond to them. You know we do. And PM you know, is personal message. Yeah. Yes, personal <laughs> messages. Uh, so you know, Facebook Messenger. You know, once once I get reached to, I typically give my my cell phone to the people and and we try to have a conversation. So Bill, for all the people all over all over the world and all over the country listening to the podcast, if if they want to get involved, uh, what, what can they do? If they want to get involved in their community, if they want to get involved in your organization, if they want to get involved in suicide as, as a whole, uh, maybe talk about what they could do locally, maybe what they could do to help you guys out with your mission. Um, and if, you know, what, what can people do to take that next step to help organizations? Maybe they don't want to get involved themselves with all their time. Maybe they do, but what options are out there for people to help others in these spots? So I, I think there's three basic ones. Talk, talk, talk. Share the information. If you're comfortable with it, push it out. Get get people talking. You know, there's no cost in that. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit of time. You know, two, uh, donate. You can donate to the Joshua York Legacy Foundation, AFSP, or any local uh, group because there's they're they're out there. Uh, three. We do stuff like suicide prevention rocks. We take it to schools and paint rocks. You know, if you donate fifty dollars to Joshua York Foundation, we can buy the supplies for a school and ship them to them. You know, that's all it takes. Um, you know, that's what we're about. We're about raising the conversation. And if you have a good idea or even an idea you're like maybe about, send it to me mm -hmm. because I can tell you there's a lot of great ideas out there, and I want to run with every one of them. I just got to raise the fund to make it happen. Bill, what's your uh, mission for the foundation? Our, our mission is to provide education, outreach, and mental health accessibility. And I, and I tell you, to do the mental health accessibility, that's the, that's the hard one, Johnny. It, yep. it takes a lot of, a lot of money, uh, thousands of dollars, if you, just to get, have it there to pay for other people's uh, health care, if, if we can get to that point. Um, it, it takes a lot of money to positively interrupt the industry the way it's set up to make it more accessible. That's my long-term goal, and I, I think it's going to take one to three million dollars to do it in three to five years to get there. You know, and that's that's if I'm working it hard. Uh, you know, we have a lot of people in the mental health care industry and in the healthcare industry, so we understand it. You know, from both the provider and the, and the other. One. You know, we're we're developing a training program for college students. 
how to navigate your health care, because how many college students don't tell their parents that they're mentally uh, in, in trouble with uh, with self-harm? Right. Well, it's such and then a they challenging don't, uh, season of your life. I mean, you, yeah. you went from being yeah. mom and dad taking care of. I mean, that was my darkest season by far. And because you get out of the house and then you're by yourself and you feel like everyone else has got it together. And and yeah, so I think I think that's that's just amazing. You know what what you guys are doing with with the college students, too, because that's such a huge community. I'm 52. I don't even understand it. You know? <laughs> Thankfully, my wife is in the industry. Yeah. I, you know, she yeah. takes care of it all because I, I get so frustrated with it. I'm like, you got to take care of this. It's always I, good I, to have somebody on the inside. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even bring myself to learn it you know, I, because I get so frustrated. I love that line you used, to positively interrupt the system how it is. <laughs> right. I, yeah. I love that because it does need to be interrupted yeah. positively. Yeah. You know, and, and, and there's ways to do that, yeah. you know, through text and talk, uh, you know, if I have to and I can raise the money, I will find somebody to create a uh, HMO or, or an insurance group to lower the cost and get it out to people. That is the, the hardest way to do it, but the, it's got to change, whether it's through the government, through the providers or through our own self-action. I'm going to I'm going to make it happen. Bill, I just want to take a second, and if you are a parent listening right now, I challenge you. I challenge you right now. Bill just said something a couple minutes ago, and uh, he, he said communication, and we don't do enough of it. Pick up your phone and text or call your child and just say that you love them. Yeah. That's it. Just I, I challenge you right now to, 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 to just text or call three people and just tell them that you care. Let them know that they matter. Let them know that they're special. Sometimes that's all it takes. Um, that's true. Bill, we're, we're down to just a couple minutes, and I, and I want you to end this this podcast with a um, just another story about your son. I mean, we are leaving his legacy right now on this podcast, or part of it, and I just want you to to end the podcast with just another story about Josh. Yeah, Josh was a beautiful person yeah, and he, his smile was captivating and he was the life of a party. I mean, he always, always reached out to everyone. He was always caring and loving. So was he caring and loving? Was he also like the class clown too? Because he looked like that, that, that kid that would always make you smile. He was not the class clown. That's, you know, that's the interesting and, party. He was, he was just, he had a vibrant life about him. You know, and, he, he just cared. He just cared, you know, and, and he helped other people. And that, that's, I mean, there's so many, so many, uh, people that he helped and it, that we continue to help through him and his foundation. You know, it's it, anybody who's going to go out to the website. I have to tell you this, you're going to see a picture of my son in front of wings that were a uh, global wing project down in DC taken three weeks before his life i actually have a video so it's just a 10 second shot of him you basically waving his arms like he's flying oh that's cool it's beautiful and that picture sums it up there's also another one on the facebook page when he was just a little boy swimming and we had under underwater camera and the bubbles coming out of his mouth are in the shape of a praying angel oh that's and awesome we, we never noticed that my sister was helping get pictures together. That's how we found that picture. It's just, you know, he, 
he had angels on his side his entire life. Yeah. And the lessons that he had to learn through life, you know, he's passed on to us. And I just want to pass them on to everybody else. That's awesome. Joshua, do you have any closing remarks or I, I think that, you know, first of all, I just happy to happy to be with you guys. As far as like closing remarks, I just, you know, I, I think you're awesome, Bill. I, I mean, I'm the situation that you've gone through and everything, the way you've handled it as somebody who makes their living helping people. I feel like I have an amazing teammate um, that's on the same team and, and rowing in the same direction, you know, and to reiterate what Johnny said before to anybody who out there listening that feels like there is no light and they're in darkness, that that's just not true and reach out. And, you know, if, if you're thinking about getting involved and you want to make a difference, you know, Bill is, uh, he's one of those guys that dots every I and crosses every T. His organization is, you know, fully legit and he does everything by the book. So it's, it's a really great organization. And I strongly suggest anybody you know, to, to donate to them. If you don't live nearby, to donate. If you have ideas, take him up on his offer. He is trying to do some amazing work to help a bunch of hurting people. And getting involved and helping him is one of the best ways that you can get yourself in the game. So that would be my message to the listeners. And Paul downstairs putting this whole thing together. That puts the, all the Paul, you put together all my podcasts. So yes. do you have any closing remarks? Uh, I think one of the big things, um, just to reiterate what was being said, because there's so much good stuff. Um, but one of the things um, is there's that uh, unspoken stigma that people don't come forward. So you guys can correct me if I'm wrong in understanding this. But when when somebody is speaking in ways that might be harmful, things like that, if you're feeling that way for self-harm, or you're having that bad time and don't know what to do, be open about it. People care about you. Move in a direction that is seeking for help. And it it isn't something to be ashamed of. Amen to that. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Yep. And um, Bill, I know that I thought you had just one last thing to say before we wrap things up. Yeah, Johnny, I just wanted to thank all three of you guys, you know, uh, Josh, I said it at the beginning, you're such an inspiration to me on how, you know, we can get there. And I, I look forward to, to getting there together because you know, I do, I feel like I've known you guys, you know, since I was a little kid, that's, uh, and, and that's wonderful. And Johnny, you know, this is a platform that, uh, isn't just about my foundation. It's about helping everyone that we can. And I appreciate uh, the opportunity for this. And, and Paul, just nice meeting you for the first time. Nice meeting you too. You know, I'm going to end this with a, another quote, um, Bill, from your um, friend. And she said, and you used this in uh, Josh's eulogy. And you said, or she said, it's not the most intelligent or the strongest who survive, but those who are able to adapt. Again, it's not the most intelligent or the strongest who survive, but those who are able to adapt. I just want to thank all three of you. Again, Bill, you're such an inspiration. Um, Again, another great episode of the Outstanding Life podcast. And I want to let all of you know that you can download all my podcasts. You can go to motivationalcowboy.com. You can get them all there. You can go to SoundCloud.com. 
um, soundcloud.com forward slash Outstanding Life Podcast. You can go to Apple Podcasts. I mean, they're they're everywhere. And, and we talk about everything on this. I, I joke around all the time. I'm like, man, I just get to hang out with a bunch of cool guys and cool girls, some cool friends, and just talk. And that's all this podcast is. And um, if you... If you want to download it, cool. If you want to share it, that would be awesome. And if you have any ideas, any ideas at all about things that we could cover, man, let me know. Again, you can check everything out at motivationalcowboy.com. Joshua, Bill, Paul, thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next time on the Outstanding Life Podcast. See you guys later.